right, here we are again. It's Jim. It's me. I'm doing it again. There's a third one of these. I I was gonna apologize for last week. Um, I I don't know. I didn't listen to it back, but I imagine it was rushed because I was rushing, because I had somewhere to be, and I was hoping that wouldn't be the case this week. But um, uh, I'm gonna try not to rush, and then maybe we'll get toward the end of it, and I'll be like, oh no, I've, I've got to go, because I do have somewhere to be. But uh, and I'm not just saying that to sound busy, because I'm generally not. But um, I I, th- I think I still should apologize for uh, the sound. It was not. I would have uh, I would have edited it if I had the time to make it the same volume as the week before. So hopefully I can do that with this week. But um, I mean, who's listening to care anyway? So. Okay, look, let's get into it. We've got Ring of Honor, we've got some UFC, and of course, heaps of New Japan. But I kept up with it a lot better this week, so I think it should be okay. I've just watched this Ring of Honor show, so of course, the Ring of Honor Pure Tournament continues. This week was the conclusion of the first round matches, and uh, therefore this will decide the quarterfinal matchups. So last week, uh, Yehi, Fred Yehi, beat Silas Young, and he cuts a pretty average promo after that on this show. And the other match was Josh Woods going over Kenny King in the first judges' decision victory of the tournament. I didn't realize how cheesy Woods' reaction to that decision in the ring was at the time, and then he seems to have carried that demeanor into his backstage promo, which again, is on this show, it's, yeah, it's like this kind of odd, childlike persona he's gone into, uh, which is a shame, because now it's a bad promo, and last week he did a good promo, that, that interview segment, it was really good, anyway, um, the matches this week, uh, Rust Taylor, who has been on uh, the New Japan Strong shows versus Tracy Williams. So, of course, they both get their interview segments. Russ talks about growing up in the desert and riding dogs. I don't think he meant for that to sound weird. Uh, he talks about going through struggles in his career, coming out the other side, his ring of on a debut, uh, which is tonight, and it's against a man he's never faced before. Williams doesn't come across at all as intimidating, but he does come across as very calculated, and he focuses a lot about his, uh, or a lot on his techniques during the interview, so I know a bit more about Williams from his catchpoint days, and, um, oh, this one had a great, (laughs) the start to this was fantastic, so Tracy calls over Rust for a handshake, and Caprice Coleman on commentary goes, did he just bark? Because <laughs> I guess he thought he said rough, not rust. Um, so Riccoboni has to stifle his laughter while he corrects him. No, I think he was just calling over his opponent for a handshake. Uh, yeah, that's the only thing I remember about Caprice's commentary on this whole show. Um, and not that I pay that much attention to it, in fairness, uh, the, the commentary at all, but um, Williams is strong early in the match with uh, mat-based wrestling. He is also, though, the first to use a rope break, and then he quickly, after that, uses another, but it looked like Taylor actually pushed Williams's foot onto the ropes, which is an interesting tactic. He didn't do it in a really... It was subtle. Like it, You weren't sure. You were kind of like, hey, did, is that what he did? It was kind of... Yeah, um, might have, might not have. Either way, Williams isn't being particularly careful, and he kind of shows uh, pretty quickly, because he uses his third rope break, that he's not really as calculated as he came across in his interview, um, especially when he then goes for another rope break. So he's already used all three of his rope breaks, and he goes for another one, and the referee is just like, I'm not going to help you. Um, but he uses that to pull 
Rust through the ropes and escape, and then he finally mounts his comeback with less than a minute to go. He just kind of frantically hits a bunch of moves in desperation. Um, it was a pile driver that made the difference. Looked like Taylor went out, but he locked in the crossface anyway, and Taylor just immediately tapped out. So Williams goes through, and the other match was Tony Deppen versus PJ Black. Now, I don't like to be mean. I'm not a mean-spirited person, but my goodness is... Tony Depp in a dork. He brags that he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, and he just seems like he's on the verge of tears throughout his whole promo. I'm sure he's a very sensitive guy, you know. Um, yeah, and I'm sure he's very nice. I don't mean to be nasty. But Black is the complete opposite in his promo. I don't even, like... I don't know. Black's never stood out to me as someone I'm like, oh, wow, a PJ Black match. But after watching Deppen's interview, Black is the complete opposite. He comes off as so cool. He's got this crazy African story, you know, his history. And I mean, it sounds like complete bullshit, but he believes it. And that's what matters. He's got conviction. Uh, He says he's known as a high flyer, but he is even better as a pure wrestler. So that's the match. And if you didn't think Deppen was a nerd before. Just wait until he walks out. He's got this stupid strut and this stupid grin on his face. Anyway, uh, I don't I don't think I've specifically ever wanted PJ Black to win a match. So to say that I wanted to see him win this match more than any other isn't saying much, but it's still true, if that makes sense. Um, and this is despite Dim Wit protege I forget his name, Black's protege, tag partner, who was brought along to provide some dumb motivational comments from ringside. Uh, but anyway, it's just kind of a match. Black is not too proud to use the ropes. He uses it up ten, uh, two before ten minutes are through. And, uh, and then he just kind of turns up the heat, hits a couple of big moves. Well, I'm assuming they're big moves of Black's because he's very surprised when Deppen kicks out. Kind of showing that Deppen's got some heart, I suppose, before he ends up going down to a crucifix driver. And Black shows the newcomer his respect. But, yeah, he lost. And then right at the end of the show, they have this vignette for a new faction, maybe? It's kind of about, like, uh, politicians are lying, the media's lying, fake news, control your own narrative. I don't know. It didn't really reveal much, but... uh, Maybe that's something that's happened. Well, I guess they've got to start setting things up for after this tournament because you've got quarterfinals, so that's four more matches, which is only two more weeks, and then the semi-final would be in one week, and then I imagine the final would be one week. So that's four weeks. And, um, yeah, you'd probably want some kind of an angle for the final because there might be some extra viewers for the final, maybe. I don't know. Moving on, New Japan Strong from the LA Dojo. We have the semifinals of this tournament, uh, the Lions Crown tournament. So Clark Connors took on Logan Regal, really technical match. There was an awesome snap suplex spot where Connors uh, uses the momentum of his counter to throw Regal over really hard. Uh, like, because, you know, he's coming down from the suplex and he uses that to really snap Regal over. I don't know. It was simple, but I liked it. Uh, And it finishes with a spear and a Boston Crab for Connors. And yeah, good match. Not that Connors cares. Um, Just storms out of the ring, the way he stormed in. Kelly interviews Blake Christian briefly before the match. And what I was sure was called an oblique injury last week is now being called a rib injury. Oblique sounds so much cooler. I mean, rib, I think a rib is just easier to relate to, despite me being able to relate to oblique. You know, that's the kind of insight you get on this podcast, all my injuries. Um, Yes, but uh, yeah, Christian says it's affecting his breathing, so that's no good before a semi-final match. He takes on, that's Blake Christian, he takes on Danny Limelight. Limelight goes straight for the ribs viciously, but All Fight, no wait, no, that's not his name, it's All Heart, Blake Christensen. 
that's that's his name, so he's got to display it, you know? So he fights on. Obviously a memorable moniker. A 450 splash uh, bends limelight over the top rope. Oh yeah, like limelight's hanging over the top rope. 450 splash, which seems like an odd move when you've got hurt ribs to attack with your ribs, but that's what all heart's about. And then uh, Christian goes back up to the top turnbuckle. Limelight springs to his feet, hits a snap superplex. So he goes up and catches uh, Christian up there. Superplex and then a fisherman buster. Bang. Limelight beats Christian. And uh, advances to the final. So that's the final of the Young Lion's Crown, or Lion's Crown. We got Clark Connors versus Danny Limelight. That'll be a good match. Those two are good. I like both of those guys. So I imagine that's next week. Uh, but there was another couple of matches on this show. There was Brody King, Flip Gordon versus Carl Fredericks and TJP. Uh, King and Gordon are a good team, but this was just kind of a whatever match. Uh, Gordon pinned TJ after a TKO. Finley Cobb, Mysterioso. And Romero took on Jay White, Chase Owen, Ticolo, and Kenta. So I don't know how far behind this recording is. But <laughs> boy, does this match seem inconsequential. So Hikaleo's got this terrible looking move called the Gut Slinger, I believe. And that keeps Mysterioso down long enough for Owens to be pulled over the top of him. So Owens actually gets the pinfall victory over Mysterioso, and then the baby faces, so the losers of the match, cut a promo afterwards, and it's terrible, and then the terrible commentators sign off. Alright. I hope this hasn't been a negative start to the... I liked some of these matches. Have I, am, I, am I sounding negative? Am I just... Maybe I'm being hard on myself. Okay. Um, I'm prone to negativity. UFC on Fight Island. We had Carlos Condit versus Court McGee. So Carlos Condit, a five-fight losing streak that began with a title shot, has finally ended. He beats Court McGee, unanimous decision, and uh, afterwards just says that he's looking forward to the next one. So still plenty of fight in the... What's he, the natural-born killer? Is that what it is? Something like that. Uh, there was a middle... That was on the undercut. That was on the... Yeah, the prelims. And then I believe the... One, two, three... Yeah, this would have been on the main card. This was just a ESPN show. Uh, Todoro... Oh, gosh, these names. Todorovic versus Townsend. Todorovic lands some big punches from Mount in the second round. Townsend can't escape. So the referee calls it off, and Townsend half-heartedly disputes the decision, but he was getting smashed. Uh, so TK win for Todorovic, who's undefeated, and in his promo says he will do anything to stay undefeated. So not only does he want to be a champion, he wants to be an undefeated champion. That's uh, quite a task. We got... Uh, is this right? Kyler Phillips? Not just Kyle? I wonder... It could be a typo on my end, or it could be a typo on the hospital's end, on his birth certificate, and they just rolled with it. Or it could be just, you know, sort of uh, creative parents, like spelling Taylor different, with an H. Uh, okay, well, with this one, Phillips takes the back of L's, Cameron L's. Did I even mention Cameron? Kyla Phillips versus Cameron L's. Elsie? Maybe it's Elsie. Elsa? Gosh, who cares? Uh, it was a TKO win for Phillips. He just kind of... I think he, he dominated this fight, really, and just mounted him, got his back, finished him with elbows. And um, he's pretty funny, actually, Phillips, saying he just really likes Fight Island and he wants to live there. So that's cool. And at bantamweight, Jermaine Deronda took on Juliana Peña, and Pena lands a good shot here and there, but GDR's clearly on another level and uh, just kind of picks her 
spot to strike and uh, although even though she's very much a kickboxer Duraname actually won with a guillotine so there you go and she knocked her out too she was out cold put her to sleep because the referee's just kind of like watching and she's not moving and he's just watching and she's not moving and Duraname's like I don't think she's moving and the referee's like oh I better check and then he checked and then she wasn't moving and then so he called it off but that's alright she lived Pena's still alive as far as I know uh, the co-main, Jorgen Dogastro versus Carlos Felipe. If I try to pronounce these names correctly, is it coming off as racist? I'm probably just going to use my terrible accent and and butcher the names instead because I'd rather that than coming off as, uh, you know, or whatever it is, appropriating culture. Now, that wouldn't be what it is, but I'm not as work as I'd like to be, folks. Uh, this is a bit uh, slow and plodding heavyweight bout. But, I mean, there's plenty of action to it. It's just that they kind of run out of gas after a while. Particularly Jorgen runs out of gas at the end there and is kind of just running away. And then he's just disappointed and, like, um, surprised when he doesn't win the unanimous decision. So Felipe won that one. And uh, kind of a character on the mic. He says he's uh, there's some guy in Brazil that's running from him. And I think he said his name, but I couldn't make it out. It's kind of hard to understand him, but uh, he's got a lot of pep does Carlos Felipe. Well, on the mic, not necessarily in the ring. Although he lasted longer than De Castro. Anyway, the main event of this one, Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana. This was the only one I was going to talk about, but I ended up watching the whole show. <laughs> and I didn't really watch... I kind of skipped through this match, because it just seemed like they circled a lot. And I've, it just seemed like the first minute of the fight is basically exactly how the next 24 minutes of the fight go with just a, a few takedowns in there for Holly. So a dominant, albeit rather unspectacular victory for the former champion. Uh, though she did turn it up for the last 30 seconds in contrast to the last fight uh, before it. Yeah, home, home showed she had plenty of gas in the tank and like, it, I don't know if she was trying to finish. I'm sure she would have liked to finish, but it was all, it, I don't know, it almost just came off as Hey, I won the fight. I want to make sure everyone knows I won the fight. Here's a little bit extra, but... I don't know. A bit extra early on would have been fine. Um, yeah, but Holm is still motivated to push toward the title. I did take notes here on the NXT event, because there was a takeover. And there was a time when I was interested in these takeover shows. Not to say I'm not interested, I suppose. I mean, I still wrote about it. But I didn't watch it. And I don't have the WWE Network, which makes it... Oh, actually, it doesn't make it that difficult. I can find it. I can find it without the network. Um, but, yeah, I didn't watch it. Apparently, it was in uh, this kind of revamped arena. Capital Wrestling Center, it was called. Like, um, the NXT version of the Thunderdome. I believe Wikipedia described it as. There's still no paying fans, as far as I know. They've still just got the screens up. Which I don't like. I don't really like how that looks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure it was probably a pretty good show. The main event was Finn Balor defending the NXT title against Kyle O'Reilly. So I like those guys. That was probably a good match. Although, unless they've done some real work on O'Reilly recently, I don't think anyone thought he was going to win the title. Um, Io Shirai has the women's title. She defended it. The cruiserweight title was on the line. Kushida beat Velveteen Dream. Damien Priest defended the North American title. Yeah, there was nothing... No title changes, anyway. Okay. Oh, here we go. Have we delayed long enough? Where are we? Nearly 20 minutes in and no New Japan talk? What is this? Takamatsu City. In Kagawa. We got Gabriel Kidd versus Yuya Uemura. And Uemura wins with a lion tamer. So he's kind of mixing up the Boston Crab. Puts the knee in the back, turns to the side a little bit, drives it home. Now afterwards, kids now kids seen something about Uemura. He said Uemura said something on Twitter. This guy's got to be he's got to have the thinnest skin in the company. Every time someone says something about it, he's got a two minute monologue to, to say about it. Um, and then he <laughs> that's pretty funny. He says Uemura wants to copy his British style. And then Uemura comes in, and he's clearly not paid any attention to Kid's promo. 
and uh, well he wouldn't understand it anyway would he and um and he just kind of politely compliments kid on a good match but also happens to mention he's got no intention of using the british style of wrestling he likes strong style man kid just talks him into these things anyway himself into it uh, a block action shingo takagi versus yujiro takahashi so yujiro hasn't given up on the tournament even if everyone has given up on him he's really bringing it to shingo in this match i mean it's brawl heavy but that's yujiro's way but uh yeah shingo's comeback becomes a bit too much so he shoves the referee down grabs his pimp cane Shingo strikes it out of his hand and uh, finishes the match with a pumping bomber, followed by Last of the Dragon. But it was, I mean, it was a surprisingly close. Takagi kind of took over when he had to, but... There you go, Takagi wins. Yujiro backstage says he used to be humiliated by being left out of the G1, but despite recognizing his poor record thus far, is not humiliated by his performances. Which is a great attitude, Yujiro. Shingo recognizes that Yujiro brought it tonight and is sore, and he looks forward to Ibushi next. The next fight was Jeff Cobb versus Jay White. Jay runs away, Cobb throws him around, Jay stalls further with some dirty tactics. There's a cool spot when Cobb pulls off, uh, or pulls White off the turnbuckle as he hangs onto it. So White's hanging onto the turnbuckle, Cobb yanks him off, catches him, and then swings him over his shoulder. I think that's the athletic plex? The kind of the backdrop one? I don't know. Uh, that White holds onto the referee. Gato enters the ring to provide a distraction. White goes for the Blade Runner. Cobb powers out, hits a power slam, throws Gato into Jay White, and then hits Jay White with the Tour of the Islands for an upset victory. Cobb beats White. And White sells it like he's knocked out cold. Like he, he's waking up and he's not even sure where he is. Uh, so yeah, big win for Cobb. Backstage, White and Gato blame the referee for the loss. Uh, but then he addresses Evil for the first time that I know about. He says he wasn't impressed with Evil's win over Kenta and reminds him that Bullet Club made him. He, and he kind of talks through it like that Evil wasn't near the title until he joined Bullet Club. Kind of, you know, don't, uh, you know, what, where you eat from. Is that the saying? I try not to swear, you know. I try to keep it kid-friendly for all the... I want the, the general audience. I want the family to sit around and listen to this, you know? Pressing an image as that is. Um, yeah, I don't know what to think of this. There's clearly a problem between Evil and Jay, but I don't know what I think about another Bullet Club in fight. It doesn't sound that appealing. But it, it does make more sense than Jay or Evil accepting second fiddle. So, well, if they're going to do it, hopefully it's better than the Omega... Cody won. Uh, yeah, and then Cobb, he's got this big win, so he cuts a promo, but he's still got nothing to say. Moving on. Okada versus Suzuki. It's 2020, and the reason that this match should have been the main event isn't Okada. How about that? The mat-based wrestling at the start is good. Okada hits a lariat and goes for another, but he's punished with the sleeper. Okada escapes, they scramble. Okada's going for the money clip. Suzuki reverses into the pile driver, but Okada throws him over his shoulder, drops down into a pin, stacks Suzuki up, and wins by a pinfall. Sending Suzuki into a furious rampage, kicking and throwing furniture. But yeah, Okada wins another one. Suzuki's pissed backstage. He says Okada... He tells Okada not to consider that a real victory. Okada admits that it wasn't very flashy, but winning's all that matters. And he... 
is kind of complimentary of Suzuki. He wants to know how he keeps going at his age. Uh, and then does a little tease that perhaps the Rainmaker's coming back soon. I mentioned there was lariats in this match. They were kind of, you know, not the full Rainmaker kind of lariats. Just the, I don't know, the spinny one and the... What, he's got the, the discus one and he's got the... I guess the half one when he's just grabbed the... Just grabs the arm, but he's not behind them doing the ripcord. Whatever. Anyway. Tomohiro Ishii versus Taichi. Fair play to Taichi in this one. He dives headfirst into this fight. But unfortunately, Ishii resides in a shallow pool. So, a hard kick finally drops the stone pit bull, but Taichi... Whips off his pants, which wakes Ishii up in an instant. Ishii overshoots a brain buster. Taichi wriggles free, pushes red shoes into Ishii. And uh, Ishii has to kind of bump the referee aside, only to catch a kick in the junk. But uh, Taichi tries to roll him up, but that pinfall doesn't work. Uh, last ride doesn't keep Ishii down either. It's about the 15-minute mark. The action goes back and forth until a brain buster does connect and ends the match. Though it takes some time to actually get them to stop fighting. They they keep going after the bell rings. And um, Taichi joins Suzuki and Yoshi as surprise quality match generators in this tournament. Good match, this one. Ishii wins. Taichi says he's sick of fighting Ishii. Uh, and, but actually, Ishii cuts a promo as well. He decides to stick around. Gives uh, Taichi a piece of his mind. Accuses of him hiding. But, in fairness, excuse me, to Taichi, he uh, was nowhere near as bad as he usually is. In fact, as I just said, this whole tournament, he's not been near as bad as he usually is. Uh, but this was a good match. And the main event, Kota Ibushi versus Will Ospreay. Oh, they planted a Billy the Goat sign in the audience for Ospreay to pose next to with his goofy grin on his face. Uh, so Billy does everything he can to piss off Kota in the opening stages. It's predictably athletic, uh... Osprey goes for the Oz cutter. Ibushi meets him in the air with a flying knee. Or he kind of missed it. He tried to meet him with a flying knee. Uh, and then... Well, that, that leads to the end of the match. And then he hits his Kamigoye. Which surges Ibushi forward alone into first place in block A. Uh, due, of course, in part to the other results of the night. Because there was a couple upsets. But, uh, yeah, Ibushi tells the crowd once again that he will become God. And then backstage... Osprey says Ibushi is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. He's told that Suzuki is up next for him, and he gets a bit anxious, refocuses, stating Suzuki is the same age as his dad, and says he can beat his dad up, and that gives him some hope. Uh, but I don't think Ibushi did a backstage promo. We'll uh, keep going with the New Japan. Hiroshima Sun Plaza Hall. Uemura versus Suji. They had a Long, sexy stare-off at the beginning. Yoda throws some big knees from the cravat clinch. But, uh, you know, the one like DDP cravat. But that's uh, got nothing on the Boston Crab! Suji fights to finally escape the first attempt before locking in his own, which Yuya fights even harder to finally escape. They strike back and forth as the clock counts down. And uh, they're attempting pins on each other, but they, they don't make it in time. It's another draw, but it was another good match as well. So, um, and then backstage, Yoda still thinks he's better than Yuya. B block. Goto versus Yano. Yano offers Goto a shirt, but that was never going to work. Goto throws it at him. He knocks Yano down with a lariat, then ties his legs up and successfully pins his chaos teammate... In a matter of seconds. Now, Goto's last match was very short too, so it made me wonder, is is his shoulder really hurting? Because his shoulder's been taped up for the whole tournament. So I wonder if maybe it's starting to get to him. Or or maybe they knew all along and they knew that this would be his little break. But um, 
yeah, nice easy match for him. Backstage, Yano yells that he didn't get to use anything that he planned <laughs> while he pulls tape out of his tights and he's throwing it away. And Goto says he was not in the mood to be mucking around. And uh, that he was not. Sonata versus Zack Sabre Jr. These two would really like to pin each other. And they don't waste any time trying. Just back and forth pins to start things. It's not as slow as one might expect uh, between them. The finish comes out of nowhere. Sonata's got a skull end. But he flicks... Like he flips Zack up and drapes him over the ropes and then hits a TKO, and then he just runs up and hits a moonsault. And that's it, he wins by pinfall. So Sabre doesn't really even sell it, he springs back up, he continues his attack, and then he mopes about in frustration. Um, backstage, he wheels himself into the press area on a suitcase, this is Zack Sabre Jr., and solemnly accepts the defeats to Naito and to Kenta, but then just explodes at the idea of Sonata beating him with a backflip. Then he challenges to Sonata to a best of series and um, a best of 437 matches. And he says he will win every match by submission. 437 submission victories over Sonata. That would be quite a feat. They had a little announcement here. I mean, I, we, I talked about this last week, I think, but... They uh, have made it official. Power Struggle is announced for November 7th, and that will be followed by the World Tag League and Best of the Super Juniors in a combined tour from the 15th of November. That tour will culminate on the 11th of December at Budokan. So there's still a lot coming up. If I thought that I was about to have a New Japan break, unlikely. I should have just called this Wrestle Me New Japan Weekly. Uh, New Japan Week... No, that doesn't... Week Style? Whatever. Uh, that's okay. I came up with the name I came up with. I came up with it in... I don't know, after 25 seconds of thought. And I'm sticking with it. What are we up to? Juice Robinson versus Evil. we still got a f- few matches. Oh yeah, three more matches. Okay. So that was the midway point. Juice Robinson versus Eagle, Evil. Evil attacks early, but in fairness, he gave plenty of time to Juice to get his kid off. He just took his bloody time. So Evil goes over, starts the match. He grabs the ref. Togo hits Juice with a chair. Evil hits a few more moves in a row, but he can't keep Juice down at first. So Togo gets involved again, distracts the referee. Evil hits a low blow. Everything is evil, and that's the end of the match. Kind of par for the course at the moment, unfortunately. Juice argues that everything is not evil backstage. He addresses Dick Togo and his involvement in the infamous WWF feud between Kai and Tai and Val Venus, the latter of whom was threatened so eloquently with I choppy choppy your pee pee for the uninitiated. Um... Juice says the same will not be happening to him and that they can look but they can't touch. He says his goal is to reach his career best in the G1, 10 points. Um, Evil's less interesting on his promo until he addresses Jay White back. He tells him not to assume that we all stand behind you. So there you go. It's boiling. It's bubbling. Something's happening. Do we want it? We don't know. Probably not. Next match, Yoshihashi versus Tetsuya Naito. So both men here are coming off of losses. So it'd be fair to say that Yoshi has the better attitude about it. But uh, Naito has something of a hometown advantage in Hiroshima. And he's the champion. It's probably also something of an advantage. Uh, Although it does raise the interesting opportunity, uh, although improbability, of Yoshi earning an IWGP title shot post-G1. How about that? Underdog Yoshi going for the top strap. Uh, Naito doesn't like his chances because he just taunts him all during the match. 
uh, doesn't take him very seriously at all. Yoshi gains some momentum at one point, but no one's tapping to the butterfly lock. Naito hits half, uh, or the, like the the half Destino as a counter to the Kumagaroshi, my favorite mat. Uh, that's my favorite move of the tournament, I reckon. Yoshihashi's Kumagaroshi. But um, then when he lines up the full wind-up version of the Destino, Yoshi counters with a huge Kumagaroshi and the gym popped. I don't mean the gym. They didn't pop. They can't. They're not allowed. They mean, I mean me. I'm the gym. The gym. The Chad. The fans... Oh, actually. Though I did make note. They can't help but gasp when this Kumagaroshi hits. So they, they all... They're so obedient. And they all just... All they do is clap. They won't boo. They won't say anything. But it was such a natural reaction to this big move. It would have been so great if it was the finish. But um, also not great if Yoshi's beating your champion. All respect to Yoshi. Um, but yeah, the fans actually gasped when he hit that Kumagaroshi because it looked so good. And it was an... Oh, they gasped at the near fall. They're like, oh, maybe he, maybe he's got him. But nah. <laughs> Naito comes back. Valencia, Destino. And they went over 25 minutes. I think it was about 25 minutes in before Naito beat him. So credit to... Yoshi, who backstage tragically mourns his chances of winning the group now. But uh, for some reason, he picks out Hiroki Goto as a match in particular that he looks forward to. I thought it would, when he said, oh, there's this one match in particular, I thought he was going to say Okada, who beat the piss out of him over and over when they were young lions. But uh, no, Goto. Okay. Maybe he knows Goto's injured, so he's just looking forward to it because he thinks he'll beat him. Naito calls this fresh start crucial and is thankful to have done it in Hiroshima. He concedes that Yoshi has not fizzled out, as he had previously suggested, and he underestimated him. He refers to Yoshi's time as a young lion and says that not once has the hash beaten him. He was nice for a moment, Naito. He was nice about Yoshi for a moment, and then he just goes straight back to being sarcastically abusive. And you know, if he would have abused anyone else apart from that poor dear boy Yoshihashi, I would have applauded his cunning. But for a clever man like Naito, it was very foolish to take advantage of a disadvantaged boy because now you've made an enemy out of me. And I... No. Okay. Then Naito talks about his uh, baseball boyfriend. Whatever. Next match. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenta. I went to the Tokyo Dome. Quick story. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14 and sat next to a guy that just... He wasn't Japanese. Just the whole Kenta match. Kenta! Kenta! Oh my god. <sighs> like, uh... Like, just incessantly. I, I was close to telling him to stop. I didn't want to ruin his enjoyment, but I was kind of like, you're ruining my enjoyment, dude. But there was, um, you know, I don't know if he was all there, so I didn't want to be... You know, I mean... That's what you get when you get close to the ring. You, you, you're in there with the real hardcore fans. Which, for wrestling, is a certain thing. Am I making fun of anyone? No. I'm right there with you, folks. We're all in this together. We all like this stupid thing. Here we go. Kenta versus Tanahashi. Kenta may be a heel, but he was real nice not to whip old Tanahashi hard off the apron instead opting for a slow motion dragon screw so that Tanahashi could kind of just slowly flop to the outside of the ring. Uh, there was a referee bump in the match, but it didn't even seem intentional so much as the referee was just in the wrong spot and Kenta didn't care. Uh, and his lack of care is actually pretty funny because he dogpiles on both Red Shoes and Tanahashi because he's kind of pushed Tanahashi into Red Shoes. Tanahashi's landed on top of him and then Kenta's just... Like, uh, uh, I don't care. I'll crush both of you. 
Um, and then, of course, the referee's hurt. So Kendo makes use of that by... Um, makes use of the referee being pressed into a pancake by grabbing his briefcase and bouncing it real hard off of Tanahashi's skull. But the ace comes back, lands a crossbody high fly flow, then goes straight into the Texas Cloverleaf, forcing a submission. Tanahashi wins. And uh, that's the main event, of course. So he uh, has the post-match promo. He teases leaving, but the claps coax him back. He becomes really emotional at the idea that New Japan was finally able to return to Hiroshima. I think the tour that they cancelled when COVID hit was Hiroshima, so maybe that's it. Um, Suji fetches his air guitar, throws it in, Tana does a solo, signs off. Backstage, he's really happy more people can show up, but he's still sad about the restrictions and the people missing out and he hopes they remain fans. And when I say he's sad, he is crying as he says this. Uh, he wants to build New Japan, or a, he wants to build a new New Japan and leave no one behind. So, uh, yeah, real um, sappy ace promo, but then Kenta <laughs> is the complete opposite. He's disappointed that his briefcase got scratched, which, you know, was probably his fault for using it as a weapon and then he accuses the fat cameraman of following him which is nice we stayed in Hiroshima for the next event Gabriel Kidd took on Yoda Suji there was some big chops a running power slam and a spear on Kidd before the Boston Crabs locked on and Suji just sits down on it hard to give himself another victory this time a little more than five minutes into the match so smashes Kid, and Kid backstage is just beside himself, doesn't say much, probably for the best. Suji says he is now above Kid as well, which is nice because he's been burying Uemura the whole time saying he's above him. So finally, Kid is above him, just, you know, at least there's some parody in that. And um, but he does show Gabe some respect at the same time for sticking it out as a young lion in Japan, so that's nice. A block action. Tomohiro Ishii versus Yujiro Takahashi. From a match that left me wanting more to a match that left me dazed and confused. Ishii hits the brain buster like 15 minutes in, but this match just took forever. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I was a bit tired or something, but... Oh my gosh. Ishii wins. Yujiro accepts now that he has no chance to win and um, is becoming frustrated after being pretty upbeat now despite his poor record. So I guess last week he was really counting on beating Ishii because he's completely flipped on his attitude. Ishii once again stays for a promo. Talkative fellow these days. Says the only thing Yujiro has going for him is his entrance which he doesn't even deserve credit for, which is some cutting honesty. I mean, I don't know what Yujiro did to Ishii, but to get Ishii to stick around and <laughs> cut a promo like that on you, damn, dude. Ishii really rubbing it in on a guy that has no wins. I love it. Next match was Kazuchika Okada versus Jeff Cobb. I uh, didn't like it. It's kind of just contrived in the way that they're clearly setting up Cobb to look really strong. And he does show some impressive strength, which we all know he has, but just the way he catches Okada and maneuvers him around, it just... I don't know. It might not even have been Cobb's fault so much, because it also looks like Okada's just kind of going through the motions a bit. Um, there's one spot in particular that just took it too far. Cobb is like throwing Okada side to side around his body for no reason. Like, this guy's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and you're playing with him, Cobb? You've got, like, one win under your belt? Two wins, maybe? I don't know. This guy's an idiot. And, uh, anyway, yeah. The the finish wasn't any good either. Okada wins with the, the same back body drop that he used to pin Suzuki, except it wasn't a counter to anything. 
It was a counter to Suzuki's pile driver. This time he just picks Cobb up in a back body drop so he can just drop him straight down and drop his knees down and, and do the pin. And um, yeah, Olympic wrestler Cobb couldn't get out of that one. So uh, yeah, gee. This card was pretty average on paper and it's pretty average in practice so far. Backstage, Cobb is fake surprised that Okada beat him with a wrestling move, but he doesn't want us to know that he's fake surprised. He's just an awful actor. Um, he says he'll take Ishii on a tour of the islands, but he will need to put him in the cage that goes under the plane, which might have been an okay line if he delivered it better. Obviously, he's referring to Ishii being a pit bull and, you know, where the animals go on the plane, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. He struggled through it. It wasn't that great. Um, but, I mean, at least perhaps he's putting some thought into his promos now because the usual, rub the usual rubbish that he rambles off is, um, I don't know, akin to what I'm doing right now. And that's not what should be on TV. What does Okada say? Uh, he underestimated Jeff Cobb. He said it was the most worthwhile match of the tournament for him so far. That's got to be a translation error. Or maybe he's just making fun of him. He's got a really dry sense of humor. Because uh, he says all of this with a really bored expression. And he doesn't even seem tired. Moving on, we got Osprey versus Suzuki. Oh, Suzuki draws blood from Osprey while being in control of most of the match. Which is very satisfying for me. Alas, while Suzuki dodges the hidden blade and he counters the first Stormbreaker, he falls to the second. Osprey wins. Osprey confirms that this means he can beat up his dad. He makes a ma sound as he leaves, but then some dope calls him back to ask like more stupid questions and prolong a stupid interview. That wasn't the main event. We've got two more here. We've got Taichi versus Jay White. They have a time-wasting competition just to carry on the trend of this fantastic card. Uh, but no, it was actually pretty good once it got going, this match. Uh, Taiji goes for a pin. Gator distracts the referee. Taiji tries to use it to his own advantage with a low blow, but Re Red Shoes catches him before he does. White then pushes Taiji into the ref. Gator re-enters. Taiji low blows Gato, then catches White's low blow attempt before low blowing him trying another pin, White kicks out, they trade finisher counters, White is the first to strike with a Blade Runner and wins via pinfall. What I d just described doesn't necessarily sound that good, but I don't know, it wasn't that bad. I guess because they're both characters, they're both interesting characters, so it makes it a bit easier to swallow all the BS. Uh, yeah, so White wins, Taichi heard that White likes him. Because White did say that, he said he liked Taichi on a, one of the promos... Um, I don't know, a few days ago or something. So he says they can work together, but White will have to start out as his assistant. Um, but then he says Gator annoys him, so I guess Gator wasn't invited. White says he does like Tai Chi because he doesn't give a uh, F word either. He actually says F word though, so... I guess he gives an F word about swearing. Uh, he says Yujiro is a team player unlike some others in B Block. Oh, who could he be referring to? Yeah. Kota Ibushi and Shingo Takagi. We got Kota giving Shingo a slow-mo Kamigoye because Takagi forgot to counter it into the finish. It was the finish, Shingo. It was a good match before that, if rather unremarkable. But a big win for Takagi either way. A fitting end to maybe the worst card of the tournament so far. Sorry, Hiroshima. Uh, so Shingo, yeah, cuts the post-match promo. Tells Hiroshima not to play favourites. Give him the support that they gave Tanahashi the night before. And he says he's going to win the G1. Backstage, he says it was a fun match that he's been chasing for 12 years. He's been really looking forward to fighting Ibushi. Ibushi was a uh, excited about their first match as well. Or their first one-on-one -on -one match. But he considers it a big loss. So, A block standings. We have Ibushi, Okada came out of nowhere. Osprey and Jay White all on eight points. Suzuki, Taichi, Ishii, and Takagi on six. 
Cobb on four, Taka, Taka, Takahashi, sorry, Yujiro on zero points. The only guy in the tournament on zero points. Poor guy. So Ibushi stays ahead of Okada on head-to-head. Um, but yeah, it's... But then Osprey beat Ibushi, didn't he? And then White... Uh, White, no, White beat Ibushi. Oh, gee, I don't know. The head-to-head stuff's tough. You kind of just got to wait till the end and then let them tell you. Uh, okay, now we've got to rush. I've got to go. Uh, what have we got? Just one more? There's only one more left. Okay, here we go. The Zip Arena in Yokoyama. <laughs> this arena looks dead. There is about 30 people in attendance to watch the second biggest promotion in the world. Um, obviously, Okayama doesn't have his fair share of awkward alternative women, which seems to be New Japan's local target audience. But let's get through this. Uh, Kid versus Uemura. Kid picks up the win with his double underhook suplex, and it's a good thing he did because losing this match would have seen him left behind in C-Block. Let's catch up with that. Um, if we were to pretend that C-Block's a real thing and it had the same point structure as G1, then this win pulls Kid back on par with Uemura at 7 points apiece. Yoda's ahead on 10 points. Don't quote me, I'm terrible at counting points. Just, you know, the the time it takes to do it accurately is more time than I will give it. But I think that's right. Um, neither of them say anything particularly interesting after that. But uh, let's move on. B block. Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi. One thing I did notice in this match is that Yoshi has this weird issue with his ankle. And it doesn't appear to be part of kayfabe. It's just, just kind of that it's... um. He's just kind of leaning on it weird, and uh, other than that, this match is not noteworthy, so that's what I wrote. Uh, yeah, it's not bad, though. It's just it's just a match. Goto wins with the GTR, having saved all of his recent energy to have a 15-minute match with Yoshihashi. I, you know, I say that like it's ridiculous, but Yoshihashi's actually been having some of the, some of the really good matches in this tournament, so... Was this one? I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell with only 30 people that aren't allowed to cheer in the audience. <laughs> and it's two generally uncharismatic wrestlers in the ring. But, uh, yeah, okay. Goto wins. Yoshi says that Goto... That the Goto he just faced reminded him of the Goto that returned from Excursion. Which was when Okada um, and Yoshi were young lions. And Goto was in the IWGP title picture. And Okada was beating Yoshi every week. Um, but even though he lost, Yoshi says he gains a lot from this. He appreciates Goto as a teammate. What a role model Yoshihashi is. Goto keeps it short. He says he believes in miracles and he believes in himself. What a romantic. Wow. Great promos. Toriyano versus Zack Sabre Jr. Yano gives up the rolls of tape from under his tights. Right as the bell rings, and he claims he's a clean fighter. They give each other turns at taking their own backs, like they kneel down. Um, but Yano takes advantage of the limited sportsmanship Zack has to offer by going for the turnbuckle pad instead. Yano's got a new trick. He tapes Zack's arm through the barricade to a chair on the other side, and I guess Zack, in his panic, just had trouble figuring out that he can just turn the chair to fit through the barricade. Um, he eventually does it about 18 and then makes it back into the ring before the countout. Uh, and then the referee, when he does go back in, is unhappy that he introduced a chair. And he's like, well, that's not my fault. But Yanu is nice enough to let the referee untie an enraged Zack, and he's apologizing to Zack for doing it in the first place. Um, Zack makes him bow, which the crowd thinks is funny. He does. There's a, a nice low blow counter by Zack who catches Yano's arm with his knees and then he ne- nearly turns it into a submission. And then he does counter a donkey kick attempt, another low blow attempt, into an ankle lock and then he turns that into kind of a figure four of sorts and that ends up winning the match by submission. Zack Sabre Jr. wins. 
Yano's legs have been treated like Nagoya's famous chicken wings, is what Yano says. Now, as a big fan of chicken wings, I had to look this up, and I believe he is referring to crispy fried wings glazed in a sweet and spicy sauce, which sounds tremendous. Zack dedicates his victory to Lord Taichi, his saviour, before dryly praising Yano sarcastically. Uh, speaking of delicious food, actually, he reminded me of Chef Gordon Ramsay here because he kept looking off screen and he kind of talks in this way that is... I don't know. I'm not going to do a Gordon Ramsay impression, but it just reminded me of Ramsay. Especially when he snapped. He just... Because he's, you know, un- being uncharacteristically rather calm and then he just snaps and he from his calm monologue and calls Yano an idiot and a joke and he storms off. Sonata versus Kenta. We had... Um, <laughs> at the start, Sonata would prefer that Kenta put his briefcase away. Which he does, but don't worry, it comes back. As an obligatory ref bump, Kenta grabs his IWGP awarded weapon, but Sonata kicks it in his face. He hits that lousy Muto backbreaker... Uh, but Kenta gets his knees up for the moonsault. Kenta tries a couple of cradles, but it's Sonata that pins Kenta with a bridging pin. Only about 10 minutes this match, so Sonata picks up another victory. Kenta backstage abuses the overweight stalker cameraman and starts blaming him for all of his losses, saying he only loses when he's there. Well, I hope it's a he. It'd sound a bit harsher if it was a woman. Um, but a quality, Jim! Kent is going to call the police on this guy, he says. On this person. On this genderless camera person. Uh, and then he pretends he's about to talk about something more relevant, but he just, just goes back to saying this guy's got to lose more weight. Uh, and then I, I guess I took a little break and the English commentary went up, which I think is going up a bit faster. So I watched the last two matches with uh, Kevin Kelly commentating, but there was no colour commentator. Um, so Juice Robinson versus Tetsuya Naito. We have Kelly commenting that uh, Naito has been wrestling smart and not taking much damage, but then he also goes on to say that no Naito match has gone less than 20 minutes. Um, I wonder if that is just relative to how this psycho usually wrestles, that he's not taking as much damage as he usually would, but Jutes waits for Naito to undress. He gets the crowd going with that we will rock you beat. Uh, and that consistently rumbles around the gym as the match goes on. They really like it. Uh, and perhaps it spurred Juice on to last well beyond the first Destino, albeit a, a half Destino. And then he goes on to kick out of the running version of the move as well, but then ends up losing to the full wind-up Destino. Boy, I did not miss Kelly's call of that move. But, you know, he's got to do his thing. Got to get your shit in. Naito wins. Juice is doing the math on him being able to make the finals, and it isn't looking good, but he has his heart in one hand and his nuts in the other. I guess, I don't know, that means something to him. He spits a lot when he talks. He should wear a mask. Naito says Juice has a lot of potential without being as demeaning as he usually would be. Uh, and then next up for Naito is Evil in the rubber match for the year. They've only faced each other once before this year in singles action. That was the 2016 G1 and Naito won on that occasion. Uh, okay, and then the main event, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Evil, the man we speak of. He uh, pulls the referee down, Togo chokes Tanahashi... The ace fights it off, strikes Togo to the mat, twist and shout, followed by a sling blade, hits the high fly flow to Evil's back. Tanahashi goes for another, but Togo throws the chair at him, and Tanahashi catches it and gives it to the referee, who could have just slid it under the bottom rope in two seconds, right there. But he decides instead, Red Shoes, to turn his back, to walk across to the other side of the ring, and make sure that Yodosuji has a strong grip on the chair before turning back and paying attention to the match. You know, his job. So Togo, you know, in the eternity it took Red Shoes to put this chair away, pulls Tanahashi down on the turnbuckle, Evil makes his comeback, everything's evil, Evil wins. 
good one. So yeah, Evo after the match just says he wiped out Tanahashi and calls everyone pieces of trash, which they <laughs> kind of, they clap anyway, just unenthusiastically. All right, so B-block standings, we've got Naito at the top, 10 points, Evil right behind him, 8 points, and then Zack Sabre Jr., Tanahashi, Gocho, Sonata, Juice Robinson, and Yano on 6 points, Kenta Lagan behind on 4 points, and Yoshihashi on 2. Um, and then there were some other used news notes, I guess, uh, I guess what you would call a weak amount of news, because the Wrestle Weekly, that it's okay. It's nothing even here. It is really a weak amount of news. Florida's reopening, so I guess maybe WWE and AEW will do some stuff that I won't report on, probably. Unless it's significant. And, um... Oh, there was this, though. Tanahashi made an appearance on AEW as part of Chris Jericho's 30th anniversary. That he was, you know, that was a celebration on their show, Dynamite. So, um... I don't think that really means anything. But they're all just kind of these little teasers, especially since Harold Mage left as president I guess they all kind of think well he was the one that was pissed off with Kenny Omega for leaving um, which he may well have been but uh, yeah I mean I don't know what I think about a uh, those two working together I guess it would be a good thing um, I just I don't know how many matchups AEW has for um, New Japan that I, I haven't already seen or, or don't really care to see but still it could be exciting and um, what another exciting week in pro wrestling and MMA it was. So until next week, have a good one.